0: This is a conversation with coach Nick St. Morris. He's a celebrity coach who has experienced coaching Kareem Benzema, Alistair Overeem, Ben Mendy, Daniel Sturge, and 50 Cent. He's a celebrity coach, fitness instructor, entrepreneur, and athlete. In this episode, we discuss coaching styles, how to become a professional athlete growing up in Montreal, Canada, and some really interesting stories from his time coaching 50 Cent, Benzema, and Alistair Overeem. This is no time. If you like what you see, then do hit subscribe on YouTube. It's just. One click for man. A giant click for... Anyway. You can also follow this channel on Spotify or rate 5 stars on Apple Podcasts. This project continues to take a lot of my time, money, and effort. So if you'd like to see it continue, then do consider supporting me on Patreon. Or you can donate a robot that does all the menial tasks. For other forms of love and support, you can always follow this channel on Instagram or Twitter. And TikTok. Or you can follow me personally. Not on TikTok. Now... It's no time. So you grew up in Montreal, Canada. If I to ask you to describe what growing up in Montreal is like, what your childhood was like, what are some favorite memories or some things that get
1: you nostalgic about it? Um the cold. <laughs> the cold in the winter. Like yeah. right now they're freezing cold. We're talking like minus twenty, going for runs. Like I it was normal for me, obviously, but going for a run when it's minus twenty, minus thirty. Yeah. I used to run track outside, it was minus ten but um no it was, it was a good you know you take you take those things for granted i guess when you grow up there but it was a nice childhood you know it's it's safe everybody everybody's respectful everybody's polite and stuff you know and uh yeah i guess i was i was lucky i, I never really thought about it growing up you know about like it's only once i moved here that people were started like i heard people talking about oh i have this passport i'm trying to get the yep. canadian passports and that i was <laughs> like why like you know but
0: <laughs> how do you motivate yourself to get out there and start running in that when it's that cold out there
1: I prefer to run actually when it's I'd say minus 20 than if it's like 30 as soon as it gets too hot for some reason I can't uh, do it yeah, I'm too used to that but uh, yeah man I mean I was I was always um, very driven like I wasn't necessarily the most talented athlete but I was always I trying to make it up with extra work you know and discipline and, and so for me it was just like yeah part of the the work I got to do if I want to get, get to where I want you know what's one place in Montreal or Quebec that people should always visit the mountain the, it's beautiful Montreal is not like a huge city but it's an island and um, I mean I grew up on the South Shore of Montreal so right across the bridge and it's yeah it's nice and quiet it's suburbs you know but I lived also when I was going to McGill. I, I, I lived in uh, downtown Montreal. And yeah, the Montreal, especially like in, in the fall and stuff. It's very nice, man. And you have a nice view from the top. It's easy. You, you, you run maybe for 20 minutes, 30 minutes you get to the top. And then you have an amazing view once you get to the top, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is a beautiful country.
0: Always wanted to go. Uh, what about, what, if, what is one of your favorite like local restaurants or cafes that you always have to visit if you're in Montreal? Oh, the, the, the food,
1: you know, in. You heard of poutine before? No. What oh, is man. it? Man, they have a couple of places now here in, in Dubai. Actually, oh, they right. brought from Canada. It's basically French fries with um, like Kirby cheese. You know, this quick cheese, and then some like sauce that's a bit like gravy, but it's a bit different. It's for poutine, and it's amazing, man. You had me a yeah. French fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these these three, the combo together is yeah, winner. Yeah, yeah, once you try it, you, you can't. Uh, it's so good man it's in dubai as well you have some places in dubai yeah actually i saw on instagram the other day if you just type in i don't know, there's a place in uh in dubai i forget what it's called but it's it's for putin yeah, yeah p-o-u-t-i-n-e so one when, when i go back there it's a cheat meal obviously but like it's uh it's one of those like you know at three four in the morning after people go out go clubbing or whatever yeah. usually people go to mcdonald's or something like that yeah. over there it's either mcdonald's or Putin. It's very fatty, very nice when you're, you know, drunk or whatever. It's it's the best food to have. Do you miss uh, not being surrounded by people who keep saying eh? I I didn't really realize because, you know, I grew up in French, you know, so. Yeah. Like speaking, I learned English. I, I was really bad in English till I was 12. And then when I was 12, my dad got a job in, in the States. So we moved there. Yeah. I didn't have a choice to learn it. And then, so the English that I had learned basically was in Maine when I was 12, 13. Mm-hmm. When we were 14, we went back to Quebec. For a couple of years, I was there in high school in French again. So I never really, like, then I went back to New York when I was 17, one year, and then came back to go to McGill. So I guess that's that's the first times that I heard actually English Canadians speaking like that because before that, it was French Canadians in French. And we have, like, a word similar to A, but, like, it, I didn't grow up hearing a, a. It's In French, we say A, actually. <laughs> but what does it mean? can be used for anything yeah <laughs> you just uh, uh it's a good question i don't know at the end of a sentence you just say like, uh, like it can mean a bunch of stuff yeah I'm, i I guess i'm not a good uh candidate i'm not a good example of that because i'm a french canadian right we're different yeah. like so we're not the typical uh yeah, canadian to, to be honest we're everybody in canada knows we're a bit different also we're very different actually so we like you know, it goes back to answer So I have a tattoo actually that says, "I remember that." You know how every license plates and you know the different states in the states, yeah. they each have their own line, uh, line that has to do with their history, like uh, uh-huh. this kind of state or whatever. And then in yeah. same in the provinces in Canada, yeah. and the one in Quebec is I remember, "Je me souviens," which which um, which is uh, basically relating to the wars and stuff, and basically. We were the French colony. There was also the English colonies. Uh, obviously, in the in down south, the United States, they managed to rebel against, you know, the English and they got independence. Up in Canada, we tried. We didn't manage to do it basically. And then the French, we tried to get rid of the English around us, and we failed basically. We lost the war. So that's how we're part of Canada. But the rest of Canada, everybody's English. Our money, there's still the queen on it. You know yeah. and we're french canadians we have nothing to do with them like it's just because we lost the war you know so there's always the people in canada are not like too fond of us in general because we always want something different something special because because it's like a different country you know sure. in 96 i think or 97 we had a referendum you know to separate from the rest of canada and we lost by less than one percent like we it was like 50.5 to 49.5 you know the votes that so in that year we, we were this close to separating from canada so we would have been a different country okay so let's talk about
0: uh, your childhood so you used to love sports you used to play a lot of sports when you were growing up there's one specific story where i think it was a football tryouts where you saw your friend joe and he was just destroying the tryouts apparently and then you went and checked what what, what changed what is yeah. that story
1: about yeah yeah basically I mean that's how I, I discovered a bit like that's how I started discovering how to train for um to get explosive for sports and stuff you know back then i was I was playing football like soccer for my school my high school i was uh, running track cross country a bunch of different sports anything where you have to run a hockey and all that and uh and like like I said, I was always trying to get better compensate for uh, I don't have the best genetics. I'm I'm not bad, but like I I was always one of the harder workers. And uh and then you know you get to an age like 16, 17, 18 where like, you know, some of the guys are like really stepping it up and then some of the guys are left behind. And it didn't make sense that I was working so hard and it wasn't, you know, happening. And then yeah, so I, I had a friend basically in high school, um one of the, my my track friends actually who uh um started getting really explosive and basically yeah because he started doing weightlifting Olympic weightlifting in uh in our city on the South Shore. We were lucky that we had um the Canadian national team for weightlifting was training there. We're like some of the best in the country. Marie Stuckar was there. Right? Marie Stoker. she'd been the yeah. Canadian champion for twelve years in a row. Very nice woman. Uh, she she's now a doctor and stuff. But yeah, so she was training there. Her coach was there also, Pierre Bergeron Jr. And um yeah, so so and our and then my my uh, high school uh, track coach. He was a very good track coach. I got lucky. He suggested, well, he pushed us to to do that Olympic weightlifting to get us more explosive for sprints. And that's when I started doing that, and my times went uh, improved a lot really quick. Uh, you know, th- those guys, like even when they train with Olympic sprinters, those Olympic weightlifters, they destroy everybody on the first twenty meters. They're so explosive because they're, it's all about one or two reps. Like uh, their, their whole sport is about one rep. It's how much power can you exert in like, boom, you know, it's not like repetitive, like football is 90 minutes. Okay. No, no, it's one shot. You, you get it or you don't, you know? So it's all the training is about getting super explosive. So when you come out of the blocks or when you accelerate on 20 meters, they just fly, man, the relative like power for their body weight is unbelievable. So I, I started becoming really good at starts, you know, my acceleration and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, then I, I, uh, so I started training that way. I was getting good. I was doing some comp- competitions for weightlifting and stuff. And then end of high school, well, end of that year, um, playing, uh, American football, basically I went for a touchdown. I don't know if I talk about that in the book, but, um, yeah. And I, I dived for it between two guys. And then one guy basically hit me with his knee on the side of the quad. So I got it like a Charlie horse and i didn't know anything about physios back then or anything but it was really painful you know basically what it is it's like you're contracting your quads like 100 percent to get into you know to sprint to the end zone and then you get boom like a big bruise in there and it's basically it's a strain it's a big strain it's a big bruise in your in your quads and and if you don't fix it properly with physio and and massage and all that proper stuff uh your you're going to build scar tissue, but instead of having your muscle fibers like this, you know, it'll be like all over the place. Yeah. And what what it means is that eventually, like, so I waited a couple of weeks. I started running again. I was fine and everything. But then after a couple of months, I realized like whenever I was trying to sprint 100%, uh, it was still there. It was still hurting. Yeah. And then once I finally found out about physios and then, yeah, they told me basically it had healed, but all over the place. What happened basically, they had to break all the scar tissue. So it's like, Reinjuring it like yeah. re like restarting from zero so that it can heal again properly yeah. but over the next few weeks or months what it means is that that other leg is still getting stronger and stuff this one is getting weaker compared to the other one and in sprints what happens eventually is if you know a lot of the injuries like from there basically it was a bit downhill you know uh i still i moved up to 200 and 400s and 600s because I was training hard and I was fit and stuff, but I couldn't go all out because it would hurt, you know? And um and then yeah, from there, basically when you get one injury like this, then your body compensates. Cause obviously in a sprint everything's working hundred percent and you're going one like straight like this, right? So if one thing is a bit weak on one side, then the other side starts compensating. You pull your hamstring on that side, you come back, your hip flexor on this side, you know, have a little injury, then hamstring on this side and then from there it's tough to ever come back from from injuries you know so I, I think a lot of like pro athletes to make it to the top obviously it's hard work genetics having the right environment all that but ha- you have to be lucky also because you can never predict you know I mean this is this was just playing American football it can happen in football or anything somebody tackles you you trip something happens you fall and then you were supposed to be promising pro athlete and next thing you know uh you start getting injured and stuff and like you know with musunda for example that's who knows what's gonna happen you know charlie musunda from chelsea that i was training but basically very promising at, at 16 17 he was the best player in the world for his age and now he's just turned 24 but for the past four years only played three games and um i doubt he'll ever be back to the same level it's very tough uh
0: so I know for a fact, so you wanted to become a professional athlete and you want to play games professionally. And then there was this one practice where you decided that this is it. I can't do it and I need to become a coach. And I think on your way back, you called your sister as well and you told her the news. That must have been a very tough moment for you. Yeah. Take me back. What were you going through and how, how hard was it for you to then get out of it and then now look into coaching instead? Yeah.
1: I mean, looking back, you know, like obviously everything happens for a reason and, and mm-hmm. I'm fortunate for the way it happened and stuff. Because if you look back, it, you know, I guess everything happened in in, in the proper time. But yeah, I, I started working while I was still running track at McGill. I started working after my first uh, year there as a personal trainer, also, and started working with American football players and stuff like that. And then uh, and then I ran track. I think two more years. And then yeah, with the injuries and stuff, <clears throat> it took its toll, and and basically I wasn't running as fast anymore as as I as I could and 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 you know it's a competitive sport there's only so many people who can be on the on the team so basically I think that third year um I got cut from the Sprint coach um and uh and and I mean whose fault is it uh, I was running running fast enough with all those injuries and stuff and in a way also it was a big relief like when it happened I was you're destroyed, you know, it's your identity as a high-level athlete. Like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I run track, you know, I'm a sprinter. I'm quick, I'm explosive and all that. But all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, this is what I've been doing my whole life. What am I now, you know? So that was the toughest part. But, um, yeah, but looking back, you know, uh, it, it worked out really well, you know?
0: It did. I remember moved, you moved to Dubai because one of your friends moved here because his girlfriend, I believe, was settling here. That's when you Googled Dubai for the first time. Yeah, exactly. So I want to get your first impression when you moved to Dubai. How dif- like wh- how different was it from Canada? Dubai is obviously colder. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many differences. But, you know, um, the, the first impression that I got from Dubai when I first moved here, I remember coming through, you know, from the airport, coming down to and looking at the skyscrapers. I was like, holy, oh, this place is crazy, you know? And, uh, you know, I'd say the first couple of years working with my friend at that gym and stuff, I was a bit close to really what Dubai was because we were a team of strength conditioning coaches. It was it was an amazing gym, amazing facilities, amazing team and stuff, but management, including my friend who was owning the gym, it wasn't really done properly. The marketing wasn't there. The management wasn't done properly. It was just, It was their first business also, so understandable. But... Um so yeah, it was a bit frustrating and um and uh yeah, so we were always all of us together basically, and then when I finally quit and almost everybody quit also after like three three and a half years, that's when I really started experiencing dubai and I was like, wow, this place has a lot to offer you know yeah. uh before that also you know it's dubai obviously you have to um it helps a lot if you have a bit of if you have a good income you know it's made for that also that's why all my pro athletes like to come here and stuff like it's it's a good place for that uh but also like it, it has has a way of you know if if you want to make it and make some good income there there's a way like i always find it's a bit like maybe new york a uh, hundred years ago where all the immigrants are going there because there's that you know american dream and you can exactly the amount of opportunity and and here also i always say like you know if if you're willing to hustle to work hard to, to do the, the work and grind and and think outside the box a little bit like there's definitely a way to make it you know like i didn't realize obviously like back then basically when we opened that gym it was a gym made for athletes and one of the top reasons one of the main reasons why it didn't work out was because uh it's a different culture here and Kids don't want to they don't necessarily grow up wanting to be pro athletes back home every single little boy wants to be a pro athlete whether it's american football or ice hockey or basketball nfl anything like that is you know here they're not as serious about it it's it's fine it's a different different world but so for us it was you know that's kind of like why it didn't work out and then the other guys most of the guys that were with me in that company they all left dubai now but the ones that are left now they're they're training general population fat loss people this and that which is fine but it's not why we came to dubai you know and i tried to st- stick to my passion and you know trying to high level athletes and stuff and that's when i figured out wow there's actually a lot of big athletes that come here they just don't know like i mean obviously they come on vacation they're not here for training camps and stuff but they don't they also don't know about you know that some people can train them here
0: did you ever imagine that you would move to Dubai so far from Canada and that's where you would meet your Canadian hero GSP, John St. Pierre?
1: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, for me, it was a big uh, big thing for sure, man. Mm-hmm. Growing up, in, in especially he's from the south shore of Montreal also, very French-Canadian like me. He's from uh, saint isidore which is like 15 minutes from where I'm from. So I remember whenever he had a fight, you know, in the 2000s, early 2010s, like... Yeah all of the streets are empty it's like uh it's like the world cup final you know but all the streets are empty everybody's in a bar at home watching it and everybody's cheering he he was named canadian athlete of the year like for three four years in a row or something you know for us it's a huge uh, pride you know like to have him so uh and yeah he looks very he's very down to earth he's not He's the opposite of like conor mcgregor in a way <laughs> i'm not thinking connor is a bad guy you know but you know the image that he gives out you know he's a big douchebag well, you're going to get a people, lot of comments uh, today on instagram <laughs> That's fine. all his fans but it's true everybody knows i mean yeah. he's a great he's a great businessman he's very yeah. smart you know he knows how to make the money and that's his style calls out people this and that a bit like those uh punks uh logan paul and those yeah. you know they play the game they make the money and okay but gsp was a true mixed martial artist and even Connor all the guys they know it I mean uh Khabib also that's why he has so much respect for him Khabib and his dad they've always wanted to to fight like GSP if he comes back it's only to fight GSP and that's because he's like one of the greatest ever and he's he's a student even now if you look at his Instagram he's not he's not even fighting anymore he hasn't fought for years and he's always practicing learning new things and stuff like he just loves it you know it's a way of life so yeah, so for, for us, it was a he's a big hero, and to meet him was uh, really special. I, I still talk to him. I, he was here a couple of weeks ago with his family. I didn't get to see him this time, but I talked to him a little bit on WhatsApp and stuff. It's Yeah, it's, it's very cool, and that's one of the things Dubai can offer, you know, because yeah. in Montreal, everybody would try to meet with him, and here, like, you know, there's only a handful of French Canadians.
0: He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he did try to trash talk once in his life, and that was oh, when he gosh. said... I'm not impressed by your performance. To, <laughs> to Matt Hughes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Big, the, big boy, yeah. Yeah, the amount of, the amount of jokes <laughs> that came out of it. Okay, so let's talk about sports. If I were to ask you to give me a speech on why you think ice hockey is
1: the greatest sport on earth, what would you say? When did you hear that? You, you, was that on the, one of the podcasts I said that? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I think it's just if you think about it or if you give it a try, you'll see like, you know, first you have to know how to ice skate really well. You know uh, and that's not easy i mean for most people uh unless you're born like you know like quebec or something and then and then you have to stick handle which is also not easy and then physically also you know the guys are very explosive they're machines you know a bit like nfl guys they're very explosive very quick but also the shifts usually last an average like 45 seconds so you get that lactic acid which means it's burning like it, it it's it's not an endurance sport it's not a sprinting one it's in between the two and it's like a bit like running a 400 i don't know if you run a 400 before but it's it's called the killer sprint for a reason like you you just want to puke after man like it hurts so much that lactic acid that kicks in after 20 25 seconds and then you got to keep going for another 25 seconds it's hell man and then they just keep doing that so their their conditioning their their fitness is amazing and then, yeah, they're playing with a little puck and they have to to score. And then on top of that, they got like another five guys on the ice trying to hit them and, and get the puck away from them, you know? So and have fighting skills as well in case. A yeah, gets a- <laughs> that, that's more for the enforcers. But yeah. yeah, yeah, all of them, they need to know how to defend themselves because you never know. Yeah. So you have obviously, you've uh, played football,
0: American football. You've been a sprinter. You've trained basketballers, trained MMA athletes and played ice hockey as well. So do you think ice hockey stands out as one of the toughest sports? It requires a very high level of skill in all
1: departments. Yeah, it's different, but yeah, I, I think if you want to master any sport, it's gonna you have to study it your whole life, you know. Yeah. American football, also, like, it's not just if you want to be an NFL receiver, you can't just like go and run your route and like, okay, you can receive no, no, the other guy is also really good, yeah. so you have to be extra good if you want to get rid of him and get open and make the catch. And you have two guys hitting you at the same time and stuff, so that's tough, also, but obviously, football is it's it's a great sport but in terms of yeah how difficult it is it's not that hard like you know what i mean like it's <laughs> a, it's a ball and and yeah okay yeah, if you okay. want to be good same thing if you want to be really good you have to practice a lot of things but just to be able to play the sport i think yeah ice hockey is definitely i mean you can play ball hockey which is way easier we we used we, i grew up playing that in the streets you know like every single day but ice hockey is Just because you're on skates, man, if you think about it, like on the ice, it's a... Additional (laughs) level of difficulty already. (laughs) It's like the sport is already hard and then you make it like super hard. Interesting. Okay, so let's say,
0: let's do a thought experiment. Let's say I want to become a professional footballer and you're going to be coaching me. So just to get an idea of what things you'll be focusing on. So let's start with our training routine. What are some elements that I should be focusing on if I want to become a professional footballer in terms of training first?
1: Yeah, I mean... Obviously, normally, it just it all depends on on your background and how you've been training for the past years. And are you overweight? Are you in shape? Are you injured? Are you uh, how old are you? All these things. But yeah, it's a very complete sport. Also, football. Like, I mean, you have to be you have to have really good fitness to last a good ninety minutes. You have to have you know the skills. It's not easy. Also, um, and you have to be very explosive. Also, so. You have to be able to run really fast, jump high, change directions really quick also, and have a lot of skills with the ball. You don't have to have the most skills with the ball, you know, because it depends on the position you play. Maybe you play on on defense and you just need to make sure that the the guys don't get past you or something, but but yeah, it's a very complete sport, so it's hard to say. It, It really depends for everybody, but... the for most guys that i train just because they in general football it's a very old school sport because it's such a big sport in the world and they um they focus a lot on endurance you know not so much not enough on explosive stuff whereas in you know the sports that i've played and i've worked with back home it's a lot of explosive stuff also so um so i usually work a lot with them on getting more explosive, change directions, you know, accelerating faster, that kind of stuff. And uh, and it works out really well because that's what they need, you know? But if you came to me as a sprinter, you know, you've been an Olympic sprinter, like your, let's say, Cardinal, Carlin Iles from the US. I don't know if you know, he's, he's a, one of the best rugby players now, but he was an Olympic sprinters for the US, made it to the semifinals, national, if not the finals, really quick guy. So when he learned, you know, he wanted to do rugby, well, for him, it was the opposite. He's got the speed down already. He's super quick. So now it's like, okay, how do I catch the ball? How do I, the tactics and stuff, change directions, um, and in the fitness also, obviously, you know.
0: So you've also worked with a lot of professional footballers. Uh, you work with Karim Benzema. How did that come about? How did you meet him, and what is he like in person?
1: He's a great guy, man. He's a great guy. He's surrounded by, you know, all kinds of people, but, I mean... Yeah, so that's that's the, the main reason how I, I got to start training him a couple of years ago. I think it's been three or four years now. And um you know, I mean you have to be a bit lucky to succeed in anything, and so I got a bit of luck there, but that I made the most most out of it also, I think. Um the um basically how it happened you know uh, I was already I was training athletes I was training myself as an athlete and stuff I was training from training SF in our cause and then this guy that was there also his name is well he calls himself Messi he uh he he knew about me and stuff and he knew I was professional and and all that so one day he messaged me called me said yeah I have Karim Benzema and he he deals with a lot of like celebrities when they come to Dubai and stuff he said I have Benzema in town can you arrange for him like a sports massage and stuff so I arranged everything for him uh, with uh, DISC, the clinic that I work with. They sent uh, a good sports massage and all that. And then he loved it. And the next day, he said, oh, yeah, can, we really liked it. Can he get the massage again? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll arrange it. And I told him, look, obviously no need for commission or anything, but, you know, let him know if he ever wants to train, I'm available and all that. And I speak French also, so it's he'll feel more comfortable and everything, so... And then, yeah, I think at like one in the morning or something, the next day, the the guy messaged me. He's like, yo, can you train him tomorrow? Like, yeah, sure, I'll be there. And then, uh, yeah, and from there, you know, it it worked out really well. Obviously, it helped. Like, I remember the first time I saw him and I spoke to him in French, he was very relieved because obviously a lot of French guys, their English is not that great. And he plays in Spain also, so he doesn't really speak English much. So, um, yeah, and then yeah so he's a really nice guy very down to earth but you know all those guys sometimes I forget like I meet them privately I train them privately everything is private so you see a different side to them you know they're very normal very nice guys and stuff and uh you're introduced through like some of their friends so it's you're 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 one of them it's cool but then when you go like we went to Dubai Mall with him like uh one or two years ago and um uh, That's when I saw how crazy it was, you know, like, or when we go to the clubs, how nuts people go. Like, I was like, holy, like, different game. And we were in Dubai Mall and people were trying to take pictures and we had to tell everybody no pictures. And people would go, we were on the first floor getting watches and stuff. And I I could see, like, people going up to the second and third floor to take pictures from there so that, you know, we couldn't (laughs) stop them. I was like, holy, man, like, it's crazy. And then eventually, like, we said no pictures. And then we had some eat. And after we ate in the food court, there were some kids that were there that wanted some pictures. So um, so he, he took a picture with one of the kids. And right away, boom, like freaking crowd came. <laughs> and it was crazy. Like the security had to, like, we had to start running with the security yeah. and stuff. Secret door, secret exit to the building and everything. Yeah. I was like, wow, man, this is nuts. This is his life. This <laughs> yeah. is his normal life. Yeah, And it's always like this, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dubai is better than a lot of places. But, like, yeah, man, it's... It's, it must be, it's hard to imagine because also when I talk to him, sometimes he's very cool. Sometimes, you are not too sure what he's thinking and it's hard for us to imagine like what kind of life it must be, man, because everybody, he, like he's used to having a lot of people around him that want to take advantage of him. A lot of those football players, everybody wants their money. Everybody's like fake friends, this and that. So, so it's hard for them to know who to trust also, you know,
0: um, you yeah. mentioned uh, so all of these athletes are under so much scrutiny and always so many people are watching every movement of theirs you're a big fan of stoicism i believe and marcus aurelius in the past he's uh, he has a quote that says that the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts do you think there's the a quality li- of, what? of your thoughts mm. do you think there's a link between stoicism and uh, being a professional athlete and sports and fitness do you think there are benefits from it
1: yeah absolutely in in life in general it doesn't matter what you do as a profession that restores is to help you be a good person and to have a good life you know um i've told a lot of players about you know some principles that i've learned from yeah from those books marcus aurelius and those guys and i love that stuff man like you know whenever they have a netflix okay. show on on the roman empire or anything like that history stuff i'm like wow, i love it i'm, I'm amazed that like you know that this actually happened and like a guy mark like marcus aurelius most powerful men on earth and stuff and like what he must have had to deal with so you know you're thinking like oh benzema's life is crazy imagine this guy (laughs) you know this guy and like he kept his cool and he was a good emperor you know and they were not obviously all good but um yeah so there's a lot of good lessons that you can learn from a guy like that like he doesn't get any more badass than that you know but yeah a lot of the players you know like when they get injured it's not easy they you know when they don't have a team it's also not easy. It's a lot of stress. Obviously, everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's a pro athlete. He's living the life. Okay, it's not all easy and stuff, man. But, yeah, having the right values, having the right things in perspective and stuff, I think it definitely helps you to to keep your cool, to focus on what you can control. And then the rest, man, it's in God's hands. And then whatever happens is meant to be, you know.
0: You've also trained with uh, 50 Cent. Right,
1: what is he like in person? That was that was epic. I think that was <laughs> like even that was. I think that was the most epic for me. Yeah, like obviously GSP. I was supposed to train. That would have been sick. Yeah, but 50, 50 it's fifty, man. I grew up. Uh, I even you know I lived in Queens also for a couple yeah. years, and I used to. I should have found some pictures. Like, you know, um, I was very into that culture. You know, like I, I was a sprinter. All my friends were black. Also, I used to ha- hang out only with black people, <laughs> and like and uh I was a huge fan you know growing up I still now listen to his music all the time you know so to be able like to train him I remember like I was spotting him on the bench press and I was like holy shit! I wanted to get my camera out so bad but (laughs) I was like nah nah play cool and thank god some guys like took some videos and stuff so I have that at least but yeah it was epic man I I, I, and then I remember like after one set that we did incline bench he's still he's still really strong he's a big boy huh he's like 6'1 225 big boy he knows how to box also he's a scary dude and uh, he was benching on the incline like two plates so 100 kilos like 10 reps helped him a little bit uh and he was not even like in good shape at that point you know so he's a strong boy man and then after we did the set he told me like come here so he he's like come over here so i i went and he showed me, he lifted his pants and he showed me like, yo, I got shot here, 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 here. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, I know, man. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everyone man. knows the story. But, uh, You're 50 cent. <laughs> but I was unreal. Yeah. He's quite intense is what I've heard. Yeah. So we, he does. There's a, there's a funny story. I don't know. I think there's a video on Instagram. Um, but you don't see, you don't know the whole story from the video. Basically what happened? I was training Danny Williams, who was a US uh, Olympic uh, football player. And, uh, after like you know so he was in the gym also we had a couple guys maybe five guys there like his friends and stuff and so I'm training 50 and then I convinced him you know for me in the back of my mind I'm like this is gonna make a sick picture a video I finally convinced him to wear like a chain around his neck for the push-ups I was like this is sick you know this (laughs) looks crazy so I was like I hope someone is filming and thank (laughs) God I had I had two friends filming uh my friend Jovi and my friend well Danny Williams and uh the video that I have is basically danny's filming he's at the table he asked uh, 50's friend and he's like yeah, yeah that's cool man of course so he filmed and uh and in the video you see 50 doing his push-ups and then he looks up and he sees danny filming him he's like yo what the fuck you think you're doing man and he walks up to him like he's, got, he's in some kind of trouble and everybody just froze i froze danny just like froze he shot his pants like everybody's like holy shit." And then 50 got to him and he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was so, it was so intense because you know who he is yeah. and what he's done and all that. Like the other guy, my other friend, Jovi, who was taking a video from a different angle, right away he deleted it because he was so scared. <laughs> so I don't have that video. And Danny's video, that's it. Like you just see 50 getting up. Hey, what the? And then he comes up to, and then he stopped filming. <laughs> so that's the video we have. But yeah, it, it's... And then it was epic. We had like 45 minutes or something. We, we just had a chat about... Business, boxing, life and stuff. And I was just like trying to absorb everything, like, wow, this guy's a legend. It's not, it's not just the the hip of the rap, it's business. It's he's, he's done like vitamin water, he's done all kinds of stuff. He's freaking smart guy and he came from from nothing, you know? So yeah, yeah, it was
0: it is was there, sick. Is there anything in particular that you think sets professional yes. athletes or celebrities apart from normal people? Like they're doing this one thing really well that other people don't really focus on
1: yeah i think um that's a good question it's a tough one but i think at the end of the day you know they always say that the the guy who succeeded is the guy who just failed more often he probably failed more often than the amount of times that the beginner tried you know so it's true it's all about obviously you don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again that's just yeah that's just stupid but try to learn from your mistakes and keep moving forward and and the guy who doesn't give up at the end is the guy who's going to succeed you know So, you know, everybody sees, oh yeah, this guy, wow, like he's a millionaire, this and that. You don't know the past 20 years where he's like just been failing and failing and living on his parents' couch and, you know, (laughs) didn't have any money and stuff like that. Like it's, so at the end of the day, for sports, it's like that also very often. Now, obviously you have to have the right genetics and all these things I said, but for business and and in life in general, it's just about hanging in there and, um and just believing in yourself and just never giving up, you know. Interesting. So to succeed, you need to fail more often and learn from your
0: failure. Yeah, you have you... to.
1: You have to get comfortable getting out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. and be willing to to fail. And if you fail, I mean that me, man, the amount of times that I failed and I keep failing, and you know it's actually it's it's rough on my mom. It's rough on <laughs> people around yeah. me sometimes, because she sees me like she she gets hurt whenever i fail at something you know And i'm like mom it's it's part of the the process it's fine like overall i'm still progressing and i'm enjoying what i'm doing and i i have a tendency i i love going for the for the home run you know i i i try to i go for it you know and yeah most of the time it doesn't work out but when it does work out i'm like man this was sick you know yeah. and it takes you to the next level and then you go again and you fail 10 times and then, oh, okay, nice. You got it once. <laughs> and <then you laughs> Of course. One athlete that you work with who's also making a
0: comeback like this, who has failed and has always come back strong is Alistair Overeem, And you worked with him as well. What was that like? You were training him now for another mm-hmm. return in the UFC.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to actually... He might be coming here. I don't know if he's going to come here this month. I need to message him. But um, we'll see with COVID. Because uh, I was supposed to go with him now in, in the spring training him for the training camp for the next fight but uh over him it was it was very special also obviously everybody knows who he is and you know those guys those fighters the image like he's a big boy like tough guy like <laughs> yeah. angry like you don't fuck with him you know but he's actually just a big kid you know <laughs> <laughs> Like man, like he was just teasing me and pushing me around and just like making jokes the whole time. I'm like man, get off me! Like, <laughs> like you know, for example, I asked him to make a box jump or to uh, like jump and see if I c- he can touch the wall. And every time he just wanted to make a bet. He's like you don't think I can do it? I was like, I didn't say that, man. Just your 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 next exercise is jump on the box. <laughs> so He's like, how high do you jump? I'm like, fifty one inches. I'll go, yeah, I'll beat you. Like, I was like, you yeah. can't beat me, man. I like, you want to bet on it and stuff. So like every time like that, you know. But, um yeah, yeah, it was it was very cool, and I, all those guys, when I get to work with those guys, you know, uh, like over here, I've trained him a bunch of times i I obviously, I try to be a trainer and help him out, and I, I bring what I bring to the table, but I try to learn as much as I can, also, like this is a guy who's been around, who's been fighting professional like this, I've been on a top for twenty years, like it's it's crazy, so I, I look at his lifestyle, I look at how he does things, like how did he? How is he up there for so long? How is he so successful? You know, a bit like when you do your podcast and you're like, okay, so how how did, he, how did this work? I'm the same, you know. I ask him all these questions and I listen to him and and I see how he acts and stuff. And uh one of the things I've I found in general with some of the top athletes is, and that I wasn't doing so well, I guess, when I was younger, is I was always so passionate about being the best that I was always mm, training and stressing about it and stuff, you know pro athlete the top top athletes they work hard when they have to work hard but then when they need to relax they know how to just turn it off and just enjoy you know and I think that's big because they know they've done the work they have that confidence and um, it's important in terms of you know your your what happens in your body your cortisol levels and all that stuff it's important to completely relax and that's when you recharge your batteries properly if you're you know me i would be like okay i train and everything i go home and i'm still like watching videos and like how do i do this better and this and that and mentally and physically even like when you go back to your next practice you're not as fresh as the guy who just play video games a and break. And, yeah, yeah and just yeah. completely you know So i think that adds up and i see a lot of the successful people they yeah it's it's tough to know exactly what that thing is but they have that extra confidence they have yeah, they I've always found like they know how to relax completely. You you're thinking, man, there's so much at stake, man. You're over him. You're I think he's fourth right now in the world or something. He's trying to make it back to world champion, all that. Oh man, I'd be training like crazy. Oh man, it's taking it easy. I'm gonna go eat. I sleep all day. My buddy's tired today, I'll take it easy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when he needs to train, they they get in the zone and they get it done. Yeah.
0: Okay, so before we start wrapping up, I have a final question for you about coaching. There are two schools of thought on coaching styles. One is, I'm not sure if you watched the movie Whiplash or Black Swan, these movies. Not
1: familiar, They're a bit older, no?
0: Uh, yeah, slightly old. So I uh, just basically what happens in the movie is that the coach, this is a jazz drummer, he's a student and he has a coach and the coach is very toxic. Uh, physically and verbally abusive to the student. And in the movie, what ends up happening is the student... Because it's under such a toxic environment and he wants to prove the coach wrong, he ends up changing his personality and becoming someone he never thought he would have become. And in that process, he becomes an excellent drummer and ends like tapping into something in a part of himself that he didn't know that existed. Yeah. So that's one side of coaching. And not the, you have all these coaches who are very strict and who always try to push you. And what the coach in that movie says is there are no two words in the English language that are more dangerous than good job. And on the other hand, you have the more conventional style of coaching where the coaches are there to support you. Obviously, they work on your weaknesses and try to improve it. But mainly, they have a positive reinforcement that will hype you up. And they're there as a support system, as a friend. What do you think? Which which is the better style?
1: What can work? That's a tough one, yeah. And it depends also not just on the athlete and the sport and stuff, but also on on the person's age and just everybody reacts differently. Like, But it's true, a lot of the... Top athletes also they always have a chip on their shoulders they they've always wanted to prove people wrong or they there's something inside them like they they just can't uh, fulfill it in a way you know like they just need to show everybody that they they're the best um, but yeah, I mean, like now me, I work more with high level athletes they've they've already made it or almost making it, and they've got that drive, and I don't need to my role, just because I'm based in Dubai, I don't have, I'm not with them 24-7 all year round in general. So I'm not, you know, when they're having a rough patch or sometimes usually I'm not there, you know. I'm more here when they come here for a few few weeks, a training camp and they're willing to work hard and stuff. So I don't have to to go crazy and, you know, like show them how it's done and stuff. And I mean, obviously you find that balance, like you have to push them, and help them get better but it's not about like bringing him down and like you know no positive uh, reinforcements but yeah that's a good question that that would be for like sport, a sports psychologist i guess uh what's the better approach um uh, i th- i think you know with the more experience you have as a coach um and you always keep learning keep reading keep trying out different things the the more you of know, but everybody is different. You might have somebody who never needs, you know, positive reinforcements. They just have like this anger and they're just always going to go for it. And then something happens to them and then they need someone there to support them and be there for them also, you know, yeah. or else they're going to do some bad things or whatever. So it's, it's hard to, uh, I think everybody's in the individual case, you know?
0: Okay. So before we start wrapping up, I would love for you to interpret what we have built with the Lego. You built something? <laughs> Very complicated.
1: What is this? A tank? The tank, I don't know. I don't know. This, the <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think this is? Yours is like you. You've got some experience, huh? It's like advanced stuff. Well, five hundred episodes into yeah. it. <laughs> what do you think this is? Good question. Uh, I don't know. i was trying to be, build something uh, more or less uh, advanced, but uh, stable enough. Also, <laughs> okay, no. Yeah, I mean, it is
0: stable. What do you think I've built? like a factory man yeah factory <laughs> factory man <laughs> is it
1: always something similar when you uh, when you build it? no i
0: mean so every time every episode is something different His right? oh, yeah. hands are just moving around I, I recognize that if i use this then it usually turns out to become mm-hmm. like a city or a factory yeah, or building yeah, yeah. you know because of uh-huh. the setting okay so final questions what are some books movies or people that you that have been very positive influences in your life
1: me one book i'm not a big reader i try to listen to like audiobooks and stuff when I can uh when I'm driving and stuff and um in terms of books there's a few good ones but um like Napoleon Hill is a good one um Dale Carnegie is good also and then I like the Stoics one like there's one that I read almost every morning called The Daily Stoic and basically it's very easy to read one it's like every day is basically a quote from one of the Stoics Marcus Aurelius or whoever else And then in one or two paragraphs, they they go into a bit more of an explanation of what it means for like nowadays. And it's good because it it just, you know, I, I, I need to do more meditation, this and that. And I get into it and after a couple of weeks, whoops, I stop and then I forget about it. And so with this, it's, man, it takes literally 30 seconds and it makes you think for 30 seconds, you're like, you stop, you read it, you think about it, and then you go on with your day, you know? Um, I, I, I should do as a 2021 uh, resolution, I should get back into meditating and stuff like that. Definitely helps. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so for books, movies, people, role models. Role models, you know, I, I think I've got a lot, man. It's like from different, uh, for each different facets of, of my life, you know, so for um, for certain things or even like, now what i try to do to focus on in the past couple of years is i surround myself with other like-minded people more you know i think you have to make a conscious effort to do that to, um if you want to keep progressing in life man. because it's very easy to get into a comfort zone with you know surrounded by people that they're happy with where they are also which is fine but if you want to make it somewhere in life you have to surround res- yourself with other people like that you know that have the same ambitions and stuff because if you if you don't everybody's you know we're human or you have some days you don't feel like it this and that and then you just next thing you know it's been a couple months you haven't made any progress but if you're surrounded by other guys that are you know going through ups and downs also and they also want to get somewhere like you then you know they'll push you when you need them and then you motivate them when they need and then you know you get a group of like i don't know five six people everybody's moving forward and i think that's one of the big things that's from um Dale Carnegie or one of those? I think uh, it talks about, yeah, you know, basically like uh, the five people that you're the most with. You know, is what's gonna have the biggest impact on on you. Okay, what would you like your legacy to be like? You know, I've been doing more and more like online training. Mm-hmm. This was always the the idea. This is, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to train all those big athletes. Obviously, I enjoyed, but so also because that's a way to show my credibility my reputation my brand and stuff so um the online stuff you know especially in the past year I've I've really built it more and um it's uh it's it's what I really uh, enjoy doing and I I work with I've worked I've been working with dozens of high level younger players 16 17 18 that want to make it pro just became pro and it's very rewarding, very nice to to help them because they're at the point where I was when I was their age and where I didn't have anybody guiding me. I didn't know how to train, all that, you know, someone like just guiding me and supporting me. And they've got that drive. They will to do anything, but they don't know how to train. So I tell them and then they put in the work and they see the results. And then it changes their their career and their lives. So that's what I, I really enjoy doing. And I think it's a it's a nice... Obviously, it brings in money also and stuff, but you know, and money is only so good. Like for for a while, you know, you want to do something that's actually going to help people and help the world. And I think this is my the legacy that I like to have is yeah to 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 help as many young football players as possible to make it to to the top. You know. Final like,
0: question for you: yeah. What is the meaning
1: of life? Yeah, it's a deep one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> only deep questions. Yeah. Uh you know me, I'm I'm Catholic. I grew up, uh, my parents are very Catholic and stuff. And even if I don't go to church every Sunday now anymore, I it's still very in me. I pray almost every day and so that. So I've always been very family oriented and stuff also. My my goal in life, man, is just to be eventually to to, to be a good father, to be a good husband, you know, to to if if you look at at um what we're meant to be i guess that's that's basically it man we're, we're just <laughs> animals in a way you know our, our goal is to reproduce and to to give the best that you can to you know future family and offer the best that you can and uh and move on but but for sure for sure like man eventually inshallah i'd I like to to be known as um one of the top strength conditioning coaches in the world yeah inshallah coach Nick thank you so much for coming on the
0: show thank you for having uh, me if people want to find you online in person where can they find you
1: yeah uh, Instagram is the easiest one I guess so, and your um, username is at coach Nick underscore no K in Nick as the French version <laughs> and then yeah there's a website and, and TikTok I don't use too much YouTube a little bit also but yeah we'll put the links in the show description thank you coach Nick it was a pleasure thank you. to you